Hello and welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders, as we bring to you recordings from the audio archives in chronological order, spanning the years 1995 through to 1999, and all focusing on the Maybrick Diary. The following sound recording we bring to you is Shirley Harrison on BBC Radio Leeds on the 9th of November, 1998. Yeah, but not till after midnight. (laughs) I'm sounding like you or you're sounding like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the life and times and the gory details of Jack the Ripper. Was he a member of the royal family or not? Did he ever exist or was it just in the imaginations of the Victorians? Are the streets of London still a dangerous place to walk after dark? Particularly on those nights when the mist rolls up from the River Thames as the cobble streets lie vacant, echoing to the sounds of lonely footsteps. Join us when we explore who really was Jack the Ripper. The Diary of Jack the Ripper, the chilling confessions of James Maybrick. Explained by Shirley Harrison. When the mist clears, in the light of the old gas lamps of London town, after the break. Don't laugh. <laughs> we own them. We own them, yeah. I don't think we should do that. Uh, right, what am I, just remind me where I am next. What am I doing next? Jack the Ripper. Oh, Jack the Ripper, yes, you're right, absolutely right, yes. Uh, I'm so pleased, good. Uh, welcome to Shirley Harrison. Shirley, hello. Hello. Shirley, was Jack the Ripper gay? Uh, well, yeah, that's a leading question, and in fact, you're touching on the next edition of my book. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, surely not. I mean, he was sexually perverse, to say the least, wasn't he? Uh, if you mean that because he was very unhappy with his wife, to say the least, he was sexually perverse, yes. Mm. Well, okay, how do we... He could have been bisexual. He could have been. Says in the book, could have been bisexual. Could have been bisexual. Right. Uh, how do we know... Let's, first of all, let's start at the beginning. This is book, the diary of Jack the Ripper. These are the jari- diaries that you have edited of James Maybrick. Well, I wrote the book about the okay, diaries. Okay, the diaries. Yes. But yes. Now, how do we know... Definitely, do you think that he was Jack the Ripper? Because some people think that it was a member of royalty. Well, that's been uh, ruled out conclusively because the Duke of Clarence, who they think was the Ripper, or who they Mm. say was the Ripper, wasn't in London at the time. There's no question of that at all. That's a lovely idea Mm. uh, that we all hang on to because it's romantic, but it isn't true. It's not true? No. Okay, well, why James Maybrick, who, after all, was in Liverpool? Or was from Liverpool? Uh Aha. Uh, That is what is more interesting about Mr. Maybrick. Mm. Um, I didn't have a theory, in fact, at all about Jack the Ripper. And when when I was first given the diary, not only did I not know anything about Jack the Ripper, but I knew nothing at all about James Maybrick, and I'd never been to Liverpool, which is a good start for writing a book. Mm. Um, James Maybrick was a man with an office in Whitechapel, just off Whitechapel. He was a cotton merchant middle-aged uh he his family came from whitechapel he had a mistress as most people in those days did right on the fringes of whitechapel he knew the area well Mm. and he came to london on business so he 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 was quite a reasonable Mm. sort of a person 
to... A Victorian gentleman. He was a Victorian gentleman. gentleman. But he was an arsenic addict. I thought you were going to say something else for a few <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm the strict mean addict. He, he was a womanizer. He, he, yeah. he, he was he a, a like dissolute a, and... Sounds like an all right guy to me. Yeah. I mean, okay, so he was a womanizer. Yeah. And he uh, did a few uh, recreational drugs on the quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay, and drank a few. It was a little bit more than that. Was it? Yes. Okay, go on. Uh, well, he, he was um, completely um, obsessed with drugs, mm. and he was getting more and more out of control. Mm. Um, what does arsenic do to you? I mean, oh. arsenic is used as a medicine. I mean, some people give them a small amount of arsenic for all well, sorts they, of things. Well, it was quite common um, in Victorian times to take yes, it as an aphrodisiac. Mm. Aphrodisiac. So it gets, it gets and stirrings in the... That's right, yeah. and he was obsessed with the fact he was getting older, he was mm. losing his sexual price, um, and he took it as, as he said, mm. a pick-me-up. Mm. Now... Does he admit to being the Ripper in the diaries? The diaries don't mention James Maybrick. Um, this is what's curious about them. They are a confession signed Jack the Ripper. But it's only when you start to look into the historical detail in the diary that you put two and two together and you discover that this was the man called James Maybrick, who, and this is what's so wonderful from my point of view as a writer, uh, died the following year and his after the murders in 1889 mm. um, and his wife was tried for his murder and that case was the first case of trying an American in Britain and was a celebrated miscarriage of justice because she didn't mm. do it. Now, there are photographs in the book, and these are real photographs. I mean, yes. they're very early photographs, isn't it? I'm looking at one of Petticoat Lane. They like ten years ago. Yeah, I know well. And uh, Petticoat Lane is is uh, where he had a room. Yes, Middlesex Street. The market, and you go down there on a Sunday, and all the markets around that area, yeah. And, and in fact, if you've ever walked around the East End of London, I, I lived for many years in the East End of London, I know it very well. I mean, there is this sort of uh, a wonderful eeriness on a, on a dark... It's very much like it. And yeah. you know there are about 300 people every night going on river walks I know. around London. In Quite fact, years ago, I was a guide for one of those walks, but that's a, a different carnation, yeah. yeah, incarnation. And the interest in the Ripper is quite astonishing. The so, amount on the internet at the moment is hmm. quite phenomenal. Now, l looking at his writing, it's the right. It looks like a doctor's writing, doesn't it? Well, it, it does at some places, but if you look at the Others, towards it changes the end, dramatically. It, it changes and it becomes wild and uncontrolled. Yeah. I mean, are we sure that this is the same person writing all of this? Oh yes, yes. There's no doubt about that. But the problem with the handwriting is that on a superficial look, it does not appear to be the same handwriting as James Maybrick. Ah. Um, this is a problem, and this is one of the. I'm, I've spent six years on this now. Mm. Um, this is the third edition. This is much bigger than the others. And I think there are now three things left that I feel I haven't answered satisfactorily. Um, most of the evidence to support James Maybrick is, is becoming very convincing. Yeah. But there are three things that we don't understand yet. And one's the handwriting. Um, another one is he refers to a pub called the Post House in Liverpool, mm. uh, which was not called the Post House in 1888. And at least we don't think it was. Um, and the other problem is some of the internal evidence relating to the Ripper itself. Okay, let's, let's talk about the Ripper. Now, the diaries in this book uh, describe what the Ripper did. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that could have been got from newspapers at the time or not. Uh, it could have been. You would have had to have read pretty extensively, and there is one item only which could not have done. Um, yeah. He refers to an empty tin box. 
um, which was found by the side of one of the bodies, that did not come into the public domain until I think it was uh, 1977, 78, something like that. Mm. Um, that was not mentioned. It was in a police list of things found by the body, which was never published. Now, he, how many did he kill? Five accepted canonical yeah. murders, they say. Because the Yorkshire Ripper killed 13. Mm, yes. Yeah. And it is still Jack the Ripper who has... I mean, I don't like to do it, really. He still has the kudos, doesn't he? He was the first. Y yeah. And Jack and the Yorkshire Ripper, who, to a certain extent, copied him in many ways. Because, because James Maybrick, anyway, was... Uh, he was absolutely besotted with sort of medical mm. experiments. He was he, a hypochondriac. He was. Yes. And he, he couldn't stay away from, from museums. He was, no. went to the one in uh, Liverpool. Yes, but that's a piece of information which we've only recently found. That just in the street next door to where young James grew up was the notorious Museum of Anatomy, oh. which was a quite horrendous collection of mummified genitalia and life-sized operations, gynecological operations. Oh. Just the sort of place um, that a young man, an impressionable young man, could have learnt all the medicine he needed, all the medical knowledge that he needed to perform the sort of things mm. that happened to those women in Whitechapel. We'll talk about that in a moment, but the interesting thing, though, is that the, the Yorkshire Ripper mm -hmm. also went this museum moved to Morecambe. Yes. And the Yorkshire Ripper used to pay visits He was a regular visitor. He was a regular visitor. Mm. Now, he couldn't have read these, unless he read your book, maybe, or got hold of them. I wouldn't have thought he could have uh, found this out in, back in the late 70s, early 80s, I think, when he was doing that. Found what out? The, the Yorkshire Ripper couldn't have known this about uh, the Maybrook diaries, could he? No, not at all. So, an interesting thing that he actually seemed mm. to do the same the sort same of things. Thing. Mm. And uh, according to Nicholas Campion, who's the chairman of the British Astrological Society, who's mm. done Maybrick's star chart this time for the book, um, there are really striking parallels in the um, <coughs> Peter Sutcliffe story mm. and in the Maybrick story. Did you ever consider trying to get an interview with Peter Sutcliffe? I have. Um, I thought it was probably not in the best of taste, actually. Um, as a journalist, I would love to have a go at it. I, 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 it appeals to me to try to find out what he would think about this. Certainly something that... Um, it's not an impossibility, yeah. but it does worry me. Let's go back to Jack the Ripper, the original one, Victoria in London, uh, Whitechapel, uh, nowhere near as pleasant a place as it is now. Uh, little alleyways, cobble streets. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it is very nice now. Uh, misty and foggy and the stench, I would imagine, of those times of the River Thames. And this bloke, who was a businessman and uh, took a bit of arsenic and then decided he had to go and get his, uh, his jollies by murdering a woman. Now, he always picked prostitutes. Mm -hmm. So we assume that he went out there trying to pick one up. Well, the diary says, if you take the diary as... That's true. What the diary says is that he saw his wife, this young, pretty American heiress, um, out on the streets of Liverpool in a street called Whitechapel uh, with a younger man. And he assumed she was yeah. having an affair. Indeed, she was. Um, and that was enough to just sort of set the whole thing alight for him and it became a rage inside yeah. him that he couldn't control and with excessive drugs, because he was taking more and more, it just got out of yeah. control. How... how he killed these five women over a period of how long? Uh, what, the Ripper? Yeah. Um, two months? Yeah. Is Very short time, two and a half the, months. Yeah, the fact that it seemed a lot at the time, it was because it was such a short time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where the Yorkshire Ripper went on for quite some considerable yes, time. Yes, yes. Now, he didn't just go up and stab them and murder them, did he? What did he do to the bodies? Well, uh, he disemboweled them, he spread their uh, entrails around, 
Um, it was the last one in particular. The, the, the murders got worse and worse. Mm. And with the case of Mary Kelly, who, did you realise it's the 110th anniversary tonight? No, I didn't. Of her murder? Really? I didn't know. So it was on this night 110 years ago. Last night, actually. Last night. Last night, yeah. yes. We, um, yes, uh, with that one, I mean, there was nothing left of her. But he did. He didn't take them anywhere. He did this in the street, in dark. dark no, Mary Kelly was was the only one. She was different. She was murdered in her room, um, and he was there for quite a long time. So what did he do to her exactly? He took the insides out. Or he, everything. He, yes, everything. Um, cut breasts off. Um, left them in different parts of the room. According to the pathologist's report, the heart was missing, and that's something which appears in the diary. And they never found poignant, it. Well, they never found it. They mm. went back and looked for it. They looked in the ashes in the oh, fire for right. it. They never found it. She was unrecognisable. Yes. And curiously, um, in the photographs which came to light of those bodies ten years ago, the photographs One were of found, which is in your book. Yeah. Um, the photograph of the Kelly murder, which is the worst yeah. of the lot, is really, really appalling. This book, this here... On the wall, you're going to sit, there are the initials FM. You yeah, can just see. see them yeah. with, with the yeah. enlarged picture. Um, I the can't initials, quite make out what this is. No. Um... What the picture you're looking yeah. at? Yeah. Well, uh, this is this is the, that's an arm of the woman. Yes. Well, this is the whole of her insides cut cut right mm -hmm. out, taken out. Mm. Yes. The whole the whole thing is ripped right her out. Her face is completely mutilated. Yes. He yes. he slashed her face, cut all her mm. eyes and mm. nose and, mm. and, and, and everything else. And but, this here looks like a butcher's slab, but well, it's the bed. Oh, that's is it? Yeah. And that's a bit I'm of the body there. Upside down, yeah. Uh, and on the wall, yeah. are these initials F M, which yeah. are the initials of his wife, Florence Maybrick. That must be appalling for the person who found that, you know. What, the body? Mm. Quite horrific. Anyway, right, okay, so uh, th that was the last murder, mm. and that was the one he seemed to go to town on. Why was that the last murder? What happened? Because he was never caught. He died. He died after that. Mm. How did he die? He died of um, arsenic poisoning, and his wife was condemned to death for murdering him. So we get another mysterious Victorian horror story, because she didn't. Uh, it's generally accepted now it was a miscarriage of justice. She was condemned to death, but she didn't die. They they kept her in prison for 15 years. And in fact, Did she, she didn't... die in prison? No, she went back to America. She, um, she lived as a recluse oh. in a little wooden hut, and she died in 1942. In 1942? 1942, in this little wooden shack surrounded by cats. Did she ever write anything, ever talk to anybody? She did some talks when she first went back to America, but they didn't work very well. She no. wasn't very good at it. Um, no, she never wrote. She never let anybody know who she was even. Um, she was looked after by a local school, and no. she made friends with the schoolboys, and nobody knew about it until one day somebody found a dress with her name stitched inside us, no. and they realized who she was but they didn't tell anybody either and it wasn't until she died that the story came how about. old was she when she died uh she was 79 i think uh -huh. and so she had this like an amazing life if you like married mm. to this this wealthy uh victorian gentleman um who was a lot older than she was mm. uh she had an affair she was 17 when she met him yeah and and he got so upset about it, and he obviously never beat her up or, or did anything to her, Oh, did yes, he? he did. Oh, did he? Oh, yes. Yeah? Yes, they were, they were rowing towards the end, um, and there are two occasions that have been documented when he did beat her up. Mm. But he ne she never had any of the slightest inkling that it could have been him that did these awful things. I don't things. know. I don't know. There are signs that she might have done. Um, she did say some things that could be taken to... Mm. 
say that she did know something about it. I, I don't really think she did. Did you, when you were researching it, did you walk around some of the areas of Whitechapel where it was supposed to yeah, happen? Yes, oh. Liverpool. Mm. Which was, uh, I mean, I've, I've lived in Liverpool over the last six years. Whilst writing it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, not literally. No, I mean, I've no. been up there an awful lot. What do you think about, um, what do you think, I mean, is there a reason why he just, he was just mad? Just mad. I mean, I think a... he was, a, I think he was a sick man. Mm. He was dying at the time. Um, yes, he was just, he went, he was going mad. Do you think the police would ever have caught him? Well, they were watching the railway stations yeah. for Liv the Liverpool yeah. trains. They were, they had Liverpool keeps coming up if you read read the press accounts at the time. Liverpool was yeah. in their minds as a place to to take note of, and there were a lot of stories about Liverpool. Um, there was uh, a ripper letter from Liverpool. Um, there was another Ripper letter, which is an interesting one, which has just come to light. You know that yeah, the, the Ripper is supposed to have written letters yeah. to, to the newspapers, um, which were then passed on to Scotland Yard. And we've, um, there was one that came to light recently from near Galashiels in Scotland, and which is in writing that is remarkably similar yeah. to James Maybrick's. Um, what did and he it say? says that yeah. he's going to... Um, he, he thanks the um, policeman for letting him go from Whitechapel and he says that he is going to commit further crimes in the Tweed area. Yeah. He's on his way to the Tweed factories. Um, well, of course, as a cotton merchant, James Maybrick would have been a regular visitor to the Tweed factories in, in Tweed, along the Tweed Valley. Oh. Mm. And the girls who were working the streets at that time were... Uh, there was there was thought. I mean, I I, I believe that the religious uh, fraternity used this, of course, to their own ends, and said it was a religious thing, and that people. Oh, the Masons. And also, there was a yeah. lot of talk about Masonic involvement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm not even sure that that could turn out to have. There could be some truth in that. That James Maybrick may have been... He, he yeah. wasn't a mason, um, but his brother was. Mm. His younger brother was a very famous composer called Stephen Adams, mm. um, who is a mystery man behind James Maybrick, and there is another whole story emerging about Michael Maybrick's mm. involvement. Sexuality seems to have been very sort of warped. The three the Maybrick whole... brothers were all very strange. They mm. didn't marry. They were all loners. They had... Strange but presumably friends. they were gay, because, I mean, it's not well, something you came out and said in those days, is it, really? And you wouldn't have spoken about it. No, no. I, I <coughs> suspect that is probably the it's case. Like We've the, got no proof of it. It's like it the old strange. maiden aunt everybody mm. had who never got married and probably was, uh, of course, uh, a, a lesbian mm. and nobody mm. talked about it in those days. The two younger Maybrick brothers got married immediately after the trial and they were in their, in their 40s uh, by then. Yeah. Um, that was a cover-up. Sure of it. Well, the other the other women that he murdered, he didn't mutilate them quite as much, did he? The first one was not. They were pretty bad. The first one wasn't. Mm. But the others were pretty. How do we know the first one was related to the other murders? Do you think? Because he he wrote a letter and said he admitted it. Yes. Well, there are people that don't think those ripper letters are, are genuine anyway. Mm. But uh, um, how were they, how were they related? Mm. The murders. I mean, they, they could tell because they were all disemboweled, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then he got progressively more. Uh, what's that, what's that, uh, sadistic, I suppose, as, as it went on, as he found he, yes, was, get, yes. he was doing it, it was not getting caught. Which yeah. is typical. Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll put your headphones on and we'll, uh, mm. we'll maybe take a couple of calls if people have got any questions about the Ripper. Um, I'll get uh, Shirley to stay on for a little bit. Colin's in Belfast. You're on the air, Colin. Yeah, hi. Colin. Hello there. Yeah. Um, I would like to ask your guest... Um, if uh, any psychological profile had been carried out on James Maybrick from his childhood, did he have any trauma in his childhood? Hello. Hello. Um, the answer to that is 
yes, there is a lot of work being done at the moment. Um, <laughs> Professor David Cantor, who is the uh, Professor of Psychology at Liverpool University, has written the preface to the new edition, which I'm absolutely delighted about. Um, and he is taking a great deal of interest in the character of James Maybrick. Um, in fact, it's been put onto the university syllabus now of, of uh, two universities in England and one in South Africa. Um, so, psychologically, he is under the microscope right now. Can I, can I suggest another um, uh, person that may have been responsible for the, uh, the death? Yes. Um, have you heard of Joseph Barnett? Oh, yes, we were talking about Joseph Barnett earlier this evening. I've been at Borders Bookshop in Oxford Street earlier on, and uh, the author of the book, um, the, the Simple Truth, yeah. who uh, Bruce Paley, who believes it was Joseph Barnett, was there, and we were talking about Joseph Barnett. Well, um, I think his motive was um, th there was a gruesome murder in the area, mm -hmm. and this made his lover, um, who was yeah. a prostitute, yeah. very, very scared and nervous. Now, he was very, very jealous of his partner. Yeah. And this get, possibly gave him an idea of how he could get her to stop. Mm. being a prostitute. That's possible, but... He had uh, a very traumatic childhood as well. Yes, but the thing about Joseph Barnett is that he lived on for years after the murders, and usually what happens yeah. is that either serial killers get caught or they die. Yes, that's because his motive was different. His motive was to cause um, uh, fear in his lover, and at the end of the mm. day, he killed his lover, and there would be no reason, no motive for him to kill after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you see, I'm in a different position because I'm not a ripperologist and I never started out oh, with a theory. Right. I've got a diary. That's, that's, I start from that point. I have a diary which I had to try to prove as um, authentic or yeah. not, um, to, to try to expose it, if you like. I, I think the diary for me, uh, I mean, if the diary is true, it brings the whole mystery to an end, and that's quite sad, but... Well, I think that's why there's been so much opposition to it. I mean, <laughs> I think of all the books that have been written, and God knows why, yeah. um, I've had so much flack. I don't know quite why it is that there's, there's been such an enormous amount of hostile Can reaction to this. Can I say one thing as well? One last thing. Um, in, in the court case following Mary Kelly's death, yeah. Joseph Barnett was on the stand, and on a number of occasions he contradicted himself. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the court took a very sympathetic view of him because he had a speech impediment and that sort of thing. That's right, he stammered, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Colin. Thanks, bye. Good point, bye. I was just looking that uh, murder number three, Elizabeth Stride, was, uh, she was murdered just off the commercial road, not far from an area called Watney Street, mm -hmm. which is where I used to live. And I never knew <laughs> that that was one of the, is in fact, near Brick Lane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My golly. <gasps> creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a, just before day of the break, a little list here. It says uh, the five, uh, August the 31st to November the 9th. Uh, so there was one murderer at the end of August, uh, three in September. He had a break in October and then one in November. Yeah. But October was, yes, was, yeah. was free. Mm. And Elizabeth Stride, there were no mutilations at all. Uh, no, no. But he disemboweled the first one, and then on the second one, uh, the uterus was missing. So he must have known what he... I mean, he must have known what he was doing. He wasn't just sort of a... No, but this is what I was saying. Yeah. That if you, anybody who'd spend any time in that Museum of Anatomy would know where everything was. Oh, dear. Right, we'll take a break back after this. <laughs> Well, 
Thank you very much indeed. Welcome back. Uh, I'm talking this evening in this part of the show to Shirley Harrison, who has just published her updated uh, edition of the diary of Jack the Ripper, The Chilling Confessions of James Maybrick. Um, and I feel quite sick now. I wasn't feeling so well before, but now I feel quite sick. You've had a bad evening. I have had a bad evening. Um, let's take some calls. Colt. Sounds like a car in Swansea. You're on the air and through to Shirley. Hi. Brilliant. Hi there. Just uh, interested, uh, as far as uh, Jack the Ripper's going, whether you think that today within society, with all the television programmes and all that, our kids are being exploited to, uh, you know, where you see all these programmes and whether or not you think our kids are being shaped to uh, Jack the Ripper figures, as it were. And, uh, uh. and whether you think that, well, there's a likelihood that we're going to see another Jack the Ripper from all these uh, awful programmes that we're seeing these days. I think if you looked at the Victorian newspapers, you might be quite surprised. You've ever read any Victorian newspapers? I haven't newspapers? done, no. They were quite revolting. Were they? Absolutely explicit and completely uh -huh. shameless. So, um, I do take your point. I mean, I've yeah. got, I've got, oh, they're, they're grown up now, but I've had sure. four and I've got grandchildren. Um, uh -huh. And I do get worried about that aspect of it because the television medium obviously is, is very um, powerful. Yes, it's It is powerful, it is. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, um, I don't think that the I think that television is only reflecting, I'm afraid, a public demand. The uh, the, the hunger and the, the thirst for this ripper material is absolutely enormous, and it's worldwide. And you think that that's always been the case through yeah, the centuries? Is that right? Yes, I, I do. Oh. I, don't, I don't. I actually don't think history changes people very much oh, right. at all. I, I really do think it's cyclical, and I think things go on the same all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you, Carl. Okay, cheers again. Okay, bye. Right. Does that mean, Shirley, you think we're probably coming up to time for uh, another one? What, another Jack the Ripper? Mm. More than likely, isn't it? Wait, I mean, it, it's happening all the time. We don't know, do we, how many people are out there who are serial killers anyway that haven't been caught? Alan, who is on the Wirral, you're on the air through to Shirley. Hello. Oh, good evening, James. Hi. Just like to compliment you on your latest choice of authors. You, in <laughs> you interview some tremendous writers with extremely interesting subjects. Okay, that's enough crawling. Get to the point. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll just have a T-shirt, really. Uh, no, Send him one. <laughs> um, yes, Shirley. Yes, hello. Um, several years ago, I watched a very interesting documentary where the... Um, it was very sort of convincing circum circumstantial evidence that the um, culprit was uh, a quack abortionist from America called... Francis Tumbleton. That's right, yes. Well, now, I, I was, well yes, you, you know, have you, you come across this guy? Yes, I have, and I, I know the author of the book very well, Stuart Evans. Oh, yes. Um... Yeah, I know about Francis Tumblety because quite a lot of the material rate, re, relating to Francis Tumblety actually fits James Maybrick too, which is quite interesting. Um, there are Liverpool connections, American connections and so on. But the problem about old uh, Francis Tumblety was that I, as I understand it, um, please remember that I am not a ripperologist. So if I get picked up by ripper experts, I... Neither am I. Francis Tumblety uh, was actually in prison at the time of the last murder and uh, he... he also went back to America and he lived for years and years and no more other mur no more ha murders happened um, it seems pretty unlikely I gather from uh, Ripper authors who do know their stuff that so the, same suit seemed, the same suit seemed to fit both men at the time um, you know the same circumstances because yeah. I think he, he was in a hotel wasn't he in the West End at the time of most of the murders uh, what, the Charing Cross Hotel? Yes, I think so. That's right. I know I know there was reports of um, an American staying at the Charing Cross Hotel. That's and right. But can I, can I carry on yeah. with that story? Yeah. Because um, 
at the time, uh, the... Charing Cross Hotel had the habit of advertising in the papers when people left belongings at the hotel. Oh, I see, yeah. And there was an advertisement which we found in the paper advertising for somebody who had left, I think it was um, a black bag. Um, it contained a certain amount of pornographic uh, yes, material. Yes. Um, but the name that they advertised in the paper, amongst others, for people who'd left material there, was somebody called Mybrack. M-I-B-R-A-C. Uh, now, that seems to me a little bit too close to Maybrick for comfort. For comfort, yes. yeah. Very good. <coughs> thanks, Alan. Lovely. Thanks, James. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers now. Uh, you're listening to Talk Radio, the James Wales Show. Shirley Harrison is my guest. She's the author of The Diary of Jack the Ripper, The Chilling Confessions of James Maybrick. Uh, Shirley wants to point out she is uh, not a ripperologist. There are a lot of... I, didn't, I thought we might have two or three calls about this, and we seem to have a lot of calls about this. Uh, there are a lot of people who are fascinated by this. Absolutely fascinated. Um, it's Carol from uh, Chesler Street in County Durham who uh, wants to talk to you. Yes, Carol. Hi there. Hello, Carol. Uh, I'm hoping it will settle an argument between me and my oh significant Lord. other. Uh, well, I've been studying the case of the Ripper for a few years now. Mm. Why, Carol? I'm interested in what makes a man like that tick. Okay. And, uh, Are you a psychology student? Yes. Ah. <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, I am totally convinced that Elizabeth Stride, the first on the night of the double event... Yeah. ...was a Ripper victim. And he says no because she wasn't mutilated. Well, the police at the time thought she was. And yet, it, I believe, um, <laughs> Maybrick actually says in the diary that he was frightened that he'd been caught. That he would be caught? Uh-huh. Yes. He was standing in the shadows or something? That's right, yes. Um, and the police at the time thought she was a victim anyway. You right, mean they got, the police got to him before he could do anything? He didn't do much, yes. Yeah, yes. so that he had to sort of he disappear. Had, he yeah. ran off and did another one. Yeah, he was interrupted by uh, a Louis Deemschutz, I believe his name was. Deemschutz, yes. A hawker. Yes, that's right. And he, neither half just will not have it. She wasn't a victim. Well, I mean, <laughs> there are as many. Well, no, I mean, the problem about Jack the Ripper is that there aren't any answers to any of it, um, and that's why I suppose with with the diary, um, if the diary is ever proved one hundred percent. And I think, I've, I think I'm 88% towards it now. But if it's ever proved 100% to be genuine, it will rewrite Ripper history. Um, most of Ripper history, I think, is fair to say, is speculation. Personal opinion. <laughs> so <laughs> you can have your idea and uh, oh, your other half I've, can have uh, his. <laughs> I've gone through the diary a few times and I'm almost convinced. Okay. Well, good. Good. <laughs> okay, Thank thanks you, Carol. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let us talk to Dave, who's in the West Midlands. You're on the air, Dave. Through to Shirley as well. Hi, uh, Hello. Uh, the whole thing was government propaganda. Oh, it's all bullshit. No, it's all bullshit. And you, I'm sure, actually, that you know it is. But you have money to make out of it. Um, and I don't blame you, to be honest. So no, you're, I, a, I, I think you're an alien. Pretty fair, pretty fair observation. Hello. I think most writers hope to make some money. Yeah, of course. You're an alien to this country. Um, Am I? Yeah, of course you are. How do you mean she's an alien to this country, then? The same as you are, James. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What's that mean? I don't know. Oh, but right. I'm okay. sure that you do. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, go on. Um, uh, it was government propaganda. Was it? Uh, yes, yes, it was. And the how do you, didn't how, exist. Don't how, try, to, try to talk over me because I'm you, much... Uh, I'm much oh, better. shut your mouth, you stupid prat. <laughs> uh, so, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Shirley. I can't have that. I really can't. No, she's got something to say. There, there, are, there are many like that. Are there? 
Oh, yeah. Why? Jo- we, I did a broadcast in Pasadena some years ago when the book first came out. Yeah. I did an American tour, and we had a bloke called Jack from Pasadena. Who Rang kept in. phoning in, yeah. 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 And there's little loads of them. Um, They're that's a strange a worrying, bunch. What, have you heard this story, then? It's, it's government propaganda? What? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking uh, about. To keep prostitutes off the street, possibly. Or... Well, maybe, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. He didn't actually say what he was talking What did he mean, we're aliens? Oh, I blame it all on care in the community, you see. Because <laughs> yeah, there's not, not enough places for them all to go. Um, do you want to stay on just a little more? We've got a couple more calls. Yeah. Just after the news, we'll come back. We've got a news break, I think, to go. Is okay. That? Yeah, news break. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out in a moment. That's where I live. Oh, good. Well, don't tell everybody, Shelley. Uh, Shelley Harrison, the author of the diary of Jack the Ripper, the chilling confessions of James Maybrick. Some strange people out there tonight. Uh, She's going to stay with me for another five, ten minutes after the news. If you'd like to talk about this, if you have a a question to ask about Jack the Ripper, then call us 0500 10 89. Go tomorrow. No naked news. No naked news. No naked I can news. wear my clothes then. No, 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 no. We're going to have the news done in a special costume each night. Okay. What yeah. is it going to be tomorrow? Do I have to find this, or are you going to provide it for me? No, no. Me? I think uh, I think that's part of your uh, your your remit now to find something that will make the news interesting and provocative. So, uh, I mean, just to, you know, for, for maybe you will dress one night as a cowgirl, another night as uh, a policewoman, mm-hmm. another night as a nurse. Uh, Ash, got any suggestions? Another. Uh, you could dress in various different animal costumes. Yes, I think animal costumes animal costume. would be good. Um, uh, ballet dancer. Ballet dancer. Uh, and just, you know, I just think uh, new management, new thoughts. I just think okay. you should be aware of that. And uh, some sort of... Um, some, some, something sort of uh, that, that's going to be noteworthy. Okay, yeah. so what yeah. do you want me to do for tomorrow then? Bally tutu. Oh, that's okay, because I used to be a ballet dancer. So I think that yeah. would look... Well, a beaver. A beaver tutu. No, ballet. Ballet. Oh, ballet, sorry. Uh, they're ballet all, they're all bad anyway, aren't they? <laughs> God dear me. Okay, no problem, James. <clears throat> yes, the dominatrix is having a turn. Uh, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> what are you going to wear? No, 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 no. No, I no, thought no, you no, promised no, me no, that no, if I was going to no, dress no, up, no. you would too. No. And I would like to see you in that leather thong <coughs> no. and like the, no, no, the, the chaps no, no. that you were promising. No, well, I wear those normally, but uh, I, uh, you know, there is a new new regime. Uh, the male uh, personnel will yeah. be uh, suited and booted. Exactly, exactly, and we will have a lot of. And that the was female ones well will yes. walk around in ballet costumes and. And particularly high heel shoes, I think, for reading the news. At least eight inch stilettos. Eight Stilettos. Yeah. With no problem. What? And a tutu. And a tutu, yes. I thought you said something else from it. Um, and a tutu. Okay. Yeah, anything you would like, Ash, or not? I'd just like to say, have you ever seen the resemblance between Desmond Tutu and Bob Hope? No. Well, have a look next time. You are strange. Okay, okay colour, but they look the same. <coughs> they do look the do same. Do they play golf? Yeah, yeah. When, they, when they're in shape enough to play yeah. golf. Anyway, I don't know how we got to this. Just a little, um, just for you to be aware for tomorrow. Just, you know. Just to sort of um, Thank you. liven the, the uh, news. No problem. Outside. I don't have enough to do with my day as it is. I know, I've heard. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, she sits there all the time I watching do. TV. That's right, filing my nails. And reading trashy novels. Yeah. What else does she do? do now, though, Jane. Has she? She's got to get Prince Charles's website up. I have. I was doing that just before I came in. That should be up by right. now already. What she want to get up Prince Charles for? Oh, well, she likes it. Because I was asked to. Mm. Get up Prince Charles? Yeah. <laughs> she likes his big flappers. <laughs> <laughs> Camilla will not be happy about that. Oh, well. Or Emu. Or Emu. Yes. Who's Emu? Well, Rod Hull. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The story about Camilla Parker Bowles secretly being Rod Hull. Yeah. In drag, yeah. 
Yeah, well, we think that's probably right. Uh, okay, so we'll talk about that later. Thank you. Uh, with me is Shirley Harrison, the Diary of the Jack the Ripper authoress. And uh, we're taking some calls on this. A lot of people are interested. Uh, Rick is in Huntingdon. You're on the air, Rick. Hi. Uh, hello, James. Uh, I wonder what your guests thought of um, the writings of uh, Martin Fido, along with the uh, FBI and uh, Scotland Yard in the early 90s, about the likely suspect being uh, David Kaminsky. Uh, who was... Uh, this, uh, no, I think... Um, I never heard of this. I, th I think Martin Fido's su uh, suspect is actually David Cohen, isn't but, it? But, yes, but the there was... Um, the Kaminsky was the was his proper name, but because well, the people in the nineteenth, uh, early nineteenth century and late nineteenth century couldn't understand yeah. um, dialects, they actually wrote Cohen down for any Jewish well, name. It's it's the same as any other theory, really. It's a theory. Um, it's a theory. Um, I ca I can't really comment. I mean, everybody but, but, has their own ideas. Yeah, I but, keep having to say that what I've got is not a theory. I've got a diary, um, and that is a difference. But wasn't he found to be the most likely suspect with all the evidence that was gathered after the? Um, I no, I, I think I think no. If you talk to um, most real Ripper historians now, you will find that he's not really seriously thought to be a suspect anymore. But he was also um, been written down to be one of the first suspects on. Uh, well, he was one of the murders. yes, he was one of the police suspects at the time, certainly. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, Read the well. book. It's interesting. Bye. <laughs> All right, bye. Uh, apart from the gruesome pictures, I think you should have left those out, Shirley. I really do. Well, I tried, but you've got to publish to leave those yeah. pictures out. I really... Florence Maybrick, you know, is quite attractive, she wasn't was she? She was pretty. Mmm. Empty-headed, but pretty. Was she? Yeah, she oh. was a bit of a flighty lady. We like those, don't we, Ash? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's pictures of James Maybrick here as well, actual pictures of him too, which is interesting. Uh, right, okay, uh, Travis in Glasgow, you're on the air. Travis, huh? Oh, Travis. Travis. Yeah. Hello, Jamesy boy. Yeah. Okay, question for Shirley. Yeah. Yes, hello. Hello, Shirley. Um, I'm wondering if you have ever been worried about, uh, I mean, this is quite a deep question here, yeah? I'm wondering if you've ever been worried about, uh, taking on uh, the characteristics of uh, Jack the Ripper himself. <laughs> me, um, pers I mean, me personally? Well, well I mean, there's... Uh, well, I have, I've got a problem, actually, because... <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm serious. I mean, yeah. psych psychiatrists, yeah, for example, uh, they've been known, uh, or, or anyone transfixed, uh, or anybody studying any, any character in detail can uh, gradually take on the role of the, the person in study, you know? Yes, I think, I think actually, I mean, all right, I, I won't laugh. I was laughing because um, I am one of the very few women who's written on this subject. Um, and I think probably I'm, I'm, I'm very different in all sorts of ways from most of the other people who are professionally involved with, with the Ripper. But you're, you're right. Um, and I have to say, um, when I first met the man who originally owned the diary, uh -huh. um, he was a, a Liverpudlian called Michael Barrett, who brought it down to us in 1993. Um, he was obsessed with it already. It had it certainly taken over his life, and there were signs of things happening to him that were uncannily, you know, you, you began to wonder what, what was going as on. A, as a journalist, Shirley, had you ever been tempted to try a little bit of arsenic just to see what sort of effect it had or anything like that? I mean, that's what people do, don't they? Yeah, I know, you're, you're, speak, you're not speaking to the right person. Um, no, I haven't actually. Um, I ought to, I suppose, ought I? No, no I don't think you should yeah. now. No, I wouldn't. It's a bit, it's a bit yeah. late now. Yeah. Okay, Tavis, thank you for that. Okay, James, she's, she's going to be aware of it. She's not going to delve too deeply. Phil is in Liverpool. You're on the air. Hi, Phil. Hello, can you yeah. hear me okay? Yes, fine. Um, uh, the diary was found by an old school teacher of mine. I live in the same road. School uh, teacher? Here in Liverpool. Yeah. 
He wasn't a school teacher. Do tell me more, though. Go on. Well, I was led to believe that it was found by a chap um, in the basement of his home. And I remember the time because oh. there were police swarming around the place. And the well, question I have mm-hmm. is, is this case still under investigation because they were sort of digging up his past and all sorts when did this, when do you, I mean, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the owner of the house that James Maybrick used to live in. Yeah, it was found, a very old house, Victorian house, and apparently an electrician found it. That was the story I heard. Well, do you I, live I, I would there? be... Sorry, Phil, do you live near there? Yeah, I live literally in the, well, the next road. Well, <laughs> we too have heard that story, but we've not been able to back it up. And I would be extremely interested if you would uh, get in touch with me after the programme. Right. Um, because any information on that front that we can gather would be most useful. I'd like to know where you heard it to start with. Well, I actually um, saw it from my own eyes. The, the police are all swarming and around when, the building. And when, and when, because um, that's also crucial, because yeah. there was there was a certain amount of police activity after the, after the publication of my book book, um, which got hammered by the Sunday Times, and then there was an investigation by New Scotland Yard, and and we were all under the microscope. Why did the Sunday Times hammer you for, uh, or what did they say, it was just a rubbishy book, or? No, 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 they didn't touch the book at all. They weren't interested in the content. They just said it was a fake. Oh, Um, right. They ran a banner headlines to say the diary was a forgery, and I was at the centre of a forgery. Oh, right. Nice. That's why I said, when I came Mm. on, you're talking to a forger. Yeah. Um, But uh, the reason was quite obvious. The Sunday Times, if you remember, were the ones who said the Hitler diaries were genuine. Oh, right, I see. So, yeah, the Jack... <laughs> I see, OK. Yes, but I'm really interested in that electrician story, so I would like to know more, please. Well, Phil, okay. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you back to the switchboard because uh, Shirley will want to keep all that to herself. OK, that's fine. Thank and you. Don't, don't forget, uh, anything you make out of this, Phil, I'm on 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. Hold on. Uh, he's on line six. Uh, let's talk to Tara, who's in Tunbridge Wells. Tara, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello, James. Hello, Shirley. Hello. <laughs> I'm actually phoning because um, we retraced our family tree quite a few years ago. And um, it turns out that, you see, my mum's maiden name was Stride. And um, obviously my, my brother, he's had an interest in this anyway. And he, um, the, the family retraced the, the tree, family tree, and discovered that she was actually a relative, <laughs> Elizabeth Stride. Really? Yeah. Right, well... <laughs> it wasn't something, obviously, that um, my family wanted to publicise because, she was, obviously, she was a prostitute. But, but yeah, I, I well, found out. And <laughs> yes, uh, there are plenty of well-known people who might come under that category, too. But um, another, I think this is a case for another address, please, after the programme, because I'd be interested to know more about that as well. Do you know much, uh, Tara, about um, your, your old ancestor? Well, um, all I know was that she was actually like a great, great, great aunt. Yeah. And um, I, we, we, nobody really wanted to sort of, you know, delve into it. I don't know why, because I, I was quite young when they sort of discovered it. Mm. But um, I, I would have liked to have um, found out more. Mm. That's why I, I thought perhaps Shelley could tell me more. I mean, um, I saw the pictures that were... That were um, sure. Yeah, the awful pictures. <laughs> and did you ever go and, and uh, have you ever been on one of these ripper walks around the east end of London or no, not? <laughs> it's a bit crazy, I think. <laughs> and do, I mean, do, you, you know for a fact that, that your your family can be traced back to there, so presumably you you know how you can get hold of some of the history of your family if you wanted to. Well, it's a bit difficult, you see, because my mum passed away, and um, both of her parents have, and there's only actually one living relative in my mum's family, and that he lives in uh, New Zealand. <laughs> my mum's brother. He emigrated a long, long, long time ago, right. and I don't really have any contact since since my mum passed away. She she's obviously kept in yeah. contact with him. But he probably knows about it. 
but yeah, it probably does. He probably knows a lot more than I could ever find out. I think. All right, I'll put you back to the switch. I'd like to, to have your number. If that's okay with you, I'll give you. I'll give Shirley your number. That's great. It's nice talking to you. All right. Thank okay, you. Thank Stay you. Stay on the line. Thank thanks, you. Tara. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, that must be. I don't know. I imagine that must be quite quite chilling to find out you were a relative. There must be a lot of relatives of the uh, the, of the victims. Of, and um, the Maybrooks as well, but also the victims of... Uh, the yes, and I think what's exciting too is that you do get this sort of thing happening all the time. There's, there's new material coming mm. up, and that's why I, I'm still so deeply involved in it, because we're but, finding new stuff. And are you convinced yourself that this is definitely the right person? Yes, I am. Okay, we'll take a break back after this. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. Um, I'm talking uh, again just for a few more calls here with Shirley Harrison. Um, Shirley, the, uh, you, you said that... Uh, gee, I forgot what I was talking about then for a few minutes. You said, the, you know, the, the Times, the Sunday Times wasn't very happy about you because of the Hitler diaries, you reckon, and they got to cold feet over that. What would happen if you found that perhaps you'd been fed the wrong information? Would you, would you be embarrassed? Would you be... Uh, or, or are you, as far as you know, this right, is I mean, genuine... if it turned out to be a forgery? Yeah. Could it have been a forgery? Um, I don't see how it can possibly be a forgery, but um, certainly not a modern forgery. Uh, there's no way that it... There is no modern forger. It's six years this has been going on. Forgeries are usually exposed within a couple of years at the very most. This is a, a most unusual forgery if it's modern. Um, Why did it take so long to come to light? Why did these diaries stay hidden for so long? It depends which, uh, how, if the story that I now believe is true is true. Um, they were simply um, in the family of an old uh, chap who died three years ago now, um, in a tin, in a box, in a trunk, at the back of a cupboard, because he just was not interested in them. He was an old soldier, he was a British Legion man, he, he liked his football, yeah. um, and he wasn't bothered about them. And uh, when he was moving to go into sheltered accommodation, he gave them to his daughter, because um, he was clearing yeah. stuff out. And, and this does happen. People say to me, but this isn't real, you know, it doesn't happen like this. But yeah. if you know Liverpool and if you know the people up there, it's perfectly feasible that somebody wouldn't have been interested in Jack the River, wouldn't have been bothered about it, just yeah. a load of old rubbish. Um, and his daughter, Anne, who was then married to the bloke who bought the diary down to me, um, hid it. She didn't tell him yeah. that she got it. She hid it behind a, a, um, behind a wardrobe. And eventually, when um, her husband was, because her marriage was breaking up and he was getting um, very difficult to live with, she decided to give him the di diary via a friend um, because she wanted to give him something to do. She thought he had a, a <laughs> she, he had a sort of interest in this sort of thing and she mm. thought that it might give him something to occupy his mind. And she didn't want him to know where it had come from simply because her father was then dying and she knew that he, being the sort of bloke he was, would pester his mm. father, her father, and make a nuisance of himself. So she gave it 
to her husband via the That in itself house. is an interesting story. It's a very strange mm. story. Mm. Okay. Uh, Frank is in uh, Surrey, or uh, you're on the air, Frank. Hi. Hello. Good evening, Shirley. Hello. Hello there. A um, couple of questions, first of all. Um, I got your first edition. Mm-hmm. Bought it, well, I had it for a Christmas present when it first came out. And these initials in the watch. Yeah. Scratched in the back of the watch. Yeah. Now, as far as I can remember, in the first edition, it just mentions five sets. But now I understand that it's been noticed... Um, Seven sets of initials, is that correct? No, um, ah. there are five uh, five sets of initials which are the initials of the murdered women. That's correct. There are other initials, but they're not they're not initials of people. They are um, makers' initials, ah. marks, those sort of things. Oh, I see, because when I saw the programme on the television of the ripperologists around the table talking about this, yeah. I thought they said it was perhaps two, two uh, sets of initials of unknown murders. No. In Manchester. Okay, that wipes that one out. Um... Florence Maybrick, did she spend some time in Woking Prison? Yes. She did, right. Yes. That's, that's answered that one. Well done. Um, Why, were you in Woking Prison, Frank? <laughs> no, no, James. Um, can, I, can I do a little plug here? Yeah, it's not on. commercial company. I'm the membership secretary of the Brookwood Cemetery Society. Cemetery Society? Yes. Yeah. You might know Brookwood uh, Cemetery. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, one thing leads to another. You know, my interest is in the history of the disposal of the dead, funerals, undertaking, <laughs> etc., etc. It, it tends to wander off onto executions and things like Jack the Ripper. Don't ask me why, but it does. You understand what yeah. I mean? I've read many, many books about Jack the Ripper, many of them, and I think when one starts on, on Jack the Ripper, um, you read the first book and you take it that, oh, yes, that's the truth, you know. I mean, the first one, I thought it was Montague Druitt. I mean, leave the poor man alone. You know what I mean? It certainly wasn't Montague Druitt. I did read the book um, that suggests it's Joseph Barnett, but that was written by Paul Harrison. You, you've heard of Paul Harrison? Yes, yes. policeman I mean, there's a number of people have pointed the finger at Joseph Barnett. Uh, Mary Kelly's boyfriend, of course. And, and that said, oh, yes, yes, definitely it was Joseph Barnett, you know. But I'm hooked on, on, um, I'm hooked on James Maybrick. Good for you. Now. Okay. But I've got the, f- <laughs> <laughs> I've got the first edition and I must get someone to buy me. Is it the third edition? It's now? the third one. It's bigger <clears throat> and it's cheaper. It, it's cheaper. How much is it, Shirley? Five, five ninety nine. Oh, no, I, I should want a hardback copy. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm no, so no, sorry. James, if you're going to get something, I've got a Sandra as a car, but I'd like a Rolls Royce. We're going to get the Rolls Royce of the book. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I've only got the uh, I've only got the paper book uh, copy that was sent to me. Oh no, 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 yeah. no. Got, I'm sorry, Frank. Got to have the yard back, mate. No, so, fr- Frank, uh, do you listen? Tell me, do you spend your life hanging around the cemetery? Then is that what you do? You sort I, of. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time in Brookwood Cemetery, but a hell of a lot of my time is is researching, uh, researching. Um, you know, we'll look at graves, or we'll we'll get. Um, We'll get tips that certain people are buried in Brookwood Cemetery, notable people, and, um... But it's not, I mean, you can't, you know, I mean, how long does it take you to see every grave in a cemetery? Uh, James, James, it's the largest cemetery in Western Europe. It's not, is it? Yes, it was the largest, it? it was the largest in the world when it opened. Where is it? It's near Woking in Surrey. I was born not far from there, never even heard of it. Oh, man, it's 450 acres. You should have... 450 (laughs) acres. You'll you'll lose your London ones in it. I mean, lose 10 London ones in it. How many graves are there there? Well, there's 240,000 individual graves. (laughs) But there's many reinterments from London churches. Yeah. And one particular uh, grave contains uh, the remains of 4,000. Uh, 4,000 in one grave? In, in one grave. That was the bones uh, removed from a London church, whose name escapes me at the moment. It's I, I, uh, I, we should do our show from there one night. That'd be James, good in the middle of the, the cemetery. James, you ought to. I mean, we have, we have a membership, you know, and... Um, 
you know, we're, we're looking for famous... Well, we, can I just plug that we do guided tours on the first Sunday in... <laughs> the first Sunday in every month at 2pm. Can I listen? Uh, can, OK, three, go on. Yeah, three shots. We ask for donations, that's all. Yeah. Send, me, send me some information about it to James Whale at Talk Radio. OK. And I'll tell you, listen, I don't, I've never been there, but I, uh, on one of my trips to Chicago... Yeah. Uh, where I have a friend who, uh, whose dad used to be the chief of police in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and he said, do you want to see where uh, Al Capone is buried? Right, right. Uh, because there is no statue and they don't even talk about him. Well, so no. I said, yeah, that'd be interesting. And yeah. he said, uh, right, okay. And we went for this drive a few miles um, uh, along and we went to this this cemetery. I cannot tell you. Yeah. It, it goes on. You can't see the end of it. Oh, I no. mean, it is huge. And it, because they don't burn anybody in America. No, not many, about 4%. Like yeah, but they stick them all in the ground. And this, That's I mean, right. probably a couple, of, should be. couple of square miles. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, this this is like, I mean, Brookwood is. I mean, it used to, uh, you, you <laughs> may hear about this eventually, but, um, I mean, they had special trains running from Waterloo, the London Necropolis Station, just outside of Waterloo. Yeah. And down to Brookwood. That's just outside of Woking in Surrey, obviously, into Brookwood. The trains actually went into the cemetery. There were two stations in the cemetery. My God. To unload the bodies. Now, in Australia, there is another cemetery called Rookwood. Yeah. Just dropped the B. That is 700-odd acres, and that had four railway stations. It's... Cemeteries are a fascinating, um, absolutely fascinating subject. Well, I tell you that uh, that Al Capone is is buried next to his brother Umberto Capone and his mother and oh. father. And <laughs> oh, I could tell you where loads... I mean, I know where all the Ripper victims are. One thing I will say, James, <laughs> to, to help you, one of the callers who's related perhaps to Elizabeth Stride... Yeah. Um, uh, ...Nee Gustafson or Gustaf's daughter, right? Yeah. Known as Longley's or Epileptic Annie... Okay, now, I'll tell you where, if they don't know where she's buried, she's buried in the East London Cemetery. Oh, right. In Grange Road, E13. Okay, I'll give you her grave number as well, in fact. Oh, well, that would be very helpful. I, I think, mean, yeah. The yeah, grave I, number would be good, yeah. Well, it's public yeah. grave number 15509. One five five oh nine. You go to the East London yep. and they'll tell you where it is. Yeah. Frank, I, uh, you're a fascinating man, Frank. James, I, James, you are as well. I was getting mad with you tonight on your earlier programme, but th this is yeah. made which, up. Which for. bit were you getting mad about, Frank? Well, homosexual bit. There are homosexuals married, I should think, well, in Brooklyn. Well, I'm, I'm sure they are, but I, I couldn't agree yeah. with most of the stuff. They'll be, they'll be members of your society who are homosexuals, oh, I'm Frank. I'm sure. I'm sure. James, just, just on that very quickly, it's to me, mate, it's not the person, it's the act. I'll just say that, because we'll keep it to Jack the Ripper. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> All right. Send <laughs> yes. me the information. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's Surrey, isn't it? And you know what people in Surrey are like. There are more lace curtains per square foot in Surrey than anywhere else in the world. And the people, sorry, don't actually have a sex life either, which is interesting. There's no sex going on in Surrey at all. Uh, Frank, send that to us. I'd be fascinated to read it. Uh, Dave in North... In north of Watford, Dave, north of Watford, he must be a trucker. Hiya, James. David. Yes, I am. Yeah. Can you hear my engine? No. Ah, uh, well, it's it's. I've shut it down now. That's why. But it does run. Um, I did actually know a descendant of John the Ripper, or even Jack. No, it was a John, and people don't know that. I see. Hmm. Um. I went to school with this person, and no one's mentioned Grace. Grace who? Grace. Grace, Grace the sister of, of the Ripper. Grace is the sister of the Ripper. And the first victim. Yeah. And no one knows this, but I know it because I spoke to a descendant mm -hmm. of his. Mm -hmm. 
And the lady there doesn't know about this, and she should. Yeah, yeah. She should. Why should she? Because she's an authority. Uh, she's, she's a journalist who came into uh, contact with it. Uh, Grace, there's no... <clears throat> there is no Grace mentioned as... Uh... That's the problem. Oh, I see. That's the problem, James. Dave. There was a Grace, yeah. and no one knows, and I've told you something that no one else knows. Yeah. So please take it in, because it is true. It is what? And just look at Grace. Look, right. look for Grace, look because for Grace. she was there. Yeah. Are you getting help? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, Stains, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, James. Hi. Yeah, it was just the point... Um, you're not a friend him. of Dave's, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a similar story, but it's nothing to do with Dave, I'll show oh, you. Good, okay. It was just, you know, I'd like to speak to a guest if I could. Mm. Hello. It was about some... I was going to college a few years ago, and um, one day in the English class, Skullbox, and I think her name was Caroline. I'm not sure if her surname was French. And she started telling me about um, her great uncle who was in Liverpool and he was moving or something and he found a diary in his attic and he gave it to his, I think it was his daughter, daughter I believe, and then she was saying it's something to do with Jack the Ripper and she told me this well before it became public. Um, oh, we have another case for a telephone number. That's really interesting. Um, I mean, can you tell me any more? Well, she lives in, uh, well, she lives quite close to Mr. Uh, Feltham. She still does. She yeah. still does, so you are in touch. Um, I think I've lost contact in the past, um, well, in a short while ago. Would yeah. you be able to give me, um, any contact point? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yes, well, that would be extremely useful. Uh, so this woman said that yeah. she, her mother, or she, had found these diaries? Well, she came in one morning, uh, and during the lesson she was telling me that her great-uncle had found some sort of box or something with a diary in it, <clears throat> and he'd given this diary to, I think it was his daughter, which was... And the guy who found these diaries, in fact, was her great uncle. Yeah. And they started talk of some Jack the Ripper or something. She said they've gone to London. And you're there. saying that this was this was before anything appeared in the papers? Oh, ages ago. We're How long ago? Let me think. Um, about was it ninety something, ninety four, ninety three? I think. I'm not sure. And that that's what's really been playing on my mind since then because I've seen a lot in the newspapers and the television about it, and I can't believe people are actually doubting its authenticity. He's told me this well in advance of any newspapers getting involved or anything. Well, you had the diaries before that, didn't you? So this must be something else. Yeah, we, we actually had the diaries originally in 1992. Oh, 93, she told me about it, yeah. Mm. Okay, Balal, thank you very much indeed. It's all down to care in the community. Uh, Gregory, who's in Scotland, you're on the air. Yes, Gregory, hello. Hey, James, how you doing? Good. Who is that, Mark? I've no she idea where you... Shirley was telling me when she was in America, she uh, she got a lot of people uh, reporting to be uh, relatives of Jack the Ripper and Jack the Ripperist, right. and you know. So. I think Mark was a relative, quite a, <laughs> quite a close one, the way he sounded. Anyway, uh, what I want to talk about, James, I've just actually tuned in, so I don't know if you've already covered this. Uh -huh. uh, I've actually just started college. I'm doing psychology. Uh, oh dear! I know it's it's scary, isn't it? <laughs> and it's just basically what I'd like to ask Shirley if she's mm. still there. Is, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm still here, Jack. How you doing, Shirley? Uh, it's what. She thinks drives people to want to be serial killers. What makes them just like snap? Uh, well, I'm not a psychologist. Yet. Sorry, sorry, um, it's all right. <laughs> no, um, but as I understand it, uh, there's a load of different reasons, surely, and it can be it can be a tiny, tiny little thing that will make somebody snap. In this case, with James Maybrick, it was the fact that his wife um, had taken a lover. Uh, but did that make him actually... The interesting... I don't, uh, Gregory won't have heard this, but, I mean, he uh, he spent a lot of time in this 
rather gruesome museum mm. of um, anatomy. Of medical anatomy and oh. bits of old bodies that have been operated on in glass jars and things. And he spent a lot of time there. Now, did he spend the time there before his wife upset him, or was this just an interest he had anyway? No, what I was saying was that he grew up in the street next door to the ah, museum. Right. Okay. So it was there as an influence through all his life, through so his he teenage just, years. he popped in when he was... He didn't have horror movies. He could go to the museum next door. Yeah. Sort of thing, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And then at a later stage, the Yorkshire Ripper went to the same museum, which had moved by then to Morecambe, and he, he visited it as well. Did you know that? I never knew that, as I say. Mm. I just started. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a young boy. <laughs> yeah, well, Gregory, don't get too interested in this sort of thing. I know. <laughs> after after <laughs> hearing what Mark was saying earlier on, I think I'm going to pack it in the water. Plenty of those around. You want to have a look at this book, actually, the uh, 599. It's a big, thick book, The uh, Diary of Jack the Ripper, The Chilling Confessions of James Maybrick. And there are some photographs of the victims in here which are not nice. And you wonder what sort of person could actually do this sort but of thing. But if you're a psychology student, the preface is written by Professor David Cantor, who you may have heard of. I've heard of him, yeah, David Cantor. Yeah. Well, the preface. He's written the preface. Uh, okay. But thanks, thank you, James. Thanks very much. Have a nice night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Lewis is in Cardiff. You're on the air, Lewis. Hi. Hello there. Yeah, hi. Hi. Yeah, just out of curiosity, is the case still open, or is it a shut book now? Oh, what? Jack the Ripper? Yes. Oh, no, it's closed. That's definitely closed, isn't yes, it? Yes, it was closed years and years ago. Oh, I think after, after how many years did they close a case if nobody's been caught? 20 or 30? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yes, yeah, so it was yeah. a long, long time ago. Just a bit of information, I mean, because my uh, uh, brother-in-law is uh, Widdowson, which was Widowson, which was one of the uh, uh, victims. Widowson? Yeah. No. I've got the list of Eddowes. the victims in front of me. Eddowes? Uh, Eddowes, sorry, I've got... <laughs> sorry, i just written something here. <laughs> Eddowes, yes. And he's got uh, loads and loads of information on it. Who's this? Uh, my brother-in-law, Peter. Uh, did you say he's a descendant? Uh, yeah, it's uh, something like a great-great-great-aunt was one of the victims. Ooh, Catherine Eddowes you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So this is a friend of yours. Uh, brother-in-law. Oh, your brother-in-law is a descendant of Catherine Eddowes, one of, the, in fact, the fourth victim of the Ripper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want uh, his number as well, then? Yeah, I'll, I'll oh. have all the numbers, please. Yeah. <laughs> Can we pile them up? Yeah. All right, uh, Lewis. Yep. Stay on the air, because Shirley would like to take your number, maybe to get in touch with you at a later date and find out more about this. Okay, that's not a problem. All right. Good. Hold Thank you. on, don't move. Um, let's go to Vera in uh, Droitwich. You're on the air. Hello, Vera. Hello. Hi, Vera. Um, this is just a human story. My grandfather, I'm now 80, he was a minister in Sheffield. He was going to church and Jack passed him. So, grandfather... And another story... Hang on, Vera, hang on. How, do, how does he know that this was Jack the Ripper? Well, because we were born in Sheffield, and he knew him. Well, another story is... Hang on, hang on, Vera, Vera. Um, but w w nobody tonight has mentioned Sheffield. There's a Sheffield Jack the Ripper, the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, no, that's the Yorkshire Ripper, Vera. We're talking about the original... Well, I thought you were talking about both. Well, we are talking about both, yes. Yeah. But in particular, Jack the Ripper. Right, OK, so I see, yeah, so uh, you're talking about Peter Sutcliffe. Yes. Yeah. So you you're the other one, the yeah. other story. The other, but your great-grandfather couldn't have known Peter Sutcliffe because... My grandfather, my father's father. 
Yeah. The minister. Knew Peter Sutcliffe? Yes. Because well, he must have, have, because for some reason, at home we had Jack the Ripper's um, cradle. As children, we were all rocked in Jack the Ripper's cradle. Okay, Vera, thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, <clears throat> she doesn't want her number. No, no, probably not, Vera. Thank you so much for calling us. Thank you. We've got a very powerful transmitter in Droitwich. Yes, maybe it's honestly. affecting Lloyd yeah. on 1053. Yeah. Yeah. Great place, Droitwich. Yeah. No, no, no. It's my nice yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the Ashcroft <clears throat> murder. You, well, we'll find out a little bit about it, shall we, just before we go any further. Uh, Stephen in Gatwick, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, hello. Hi. I just wanted to um, ask the lady you've got there if she knew anything about the um, Hague, the acid bath murder at all. Well, I've heard about it, obviously, but I don't, um, I'm, I'm not a, a crime writer and I don't know anything in detail, no. Oh, right, it's just that my, my granddad's uh, best friend, uh, their daughter, was um, um, murdered by him. Uh-huh. Oh my golly. God. Um, yeah. So he did, he wasn't related to Jack the Ripper in any way, was he? No, 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 no. no, no. no. Okay. Uh, just the only way they caught him in the end was um, um, obviously he's put his victims in a bath of acid. Yeah. That's right. There's loads uh, of books about him. Yeah, and everything used to sort of disappear apart from the um, gall stands. And oh, they okay. found a jar, oh. jar of gall stands. Yeah. I mean, he kept the tea, the gold tea for whatever. Of course. Well, one would. <laughs> but that's the only way they, they actually caught him. Was um, by um, mm. which are Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Um, I, really, I mean, because nobody definitely knows. Although it's pretty well thought that that James Maybrook was the person by scholars. Is that right? Or well, still, some scholars don't even agree with that. No, they they, they all disagree. There are some <laughs> scholars who yes, who who do. Yeah. But there is disagreement in the ranks. Um what keeps it alive. How many people reckon that they are in some way related to somebody, maybe? Um, on which side? On the Maybrick side or on the Ripper side? No, on, on There's a lot of descendants around. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting that, I mean, as with tonight, yeah. there are people coming out of the woodwork all the time. Well, I think it's a bit worrying. Anyway, uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark in Surrey, you're on the air. Hello, Mark. Hello, James. Hello, Shelley. Hello. There was a couple of points. I take it the film that Michael Winnerdom was based on the on the book? Yes. Well, it was based on the hardback edition. It was done rather a long time ago, yeah. Right. I hope you got a lot of money out of that, Shelley. What? Out of the documentary? Yeah. That's a sore point. Oh, right. Okay, Shelley. <laughs> there was a couple of points... I'll on look the... after your affairs in future, Shelley. <laughs> I wish you would. Go on. I need help. <laughs> Very good documentary, but it brought up a couple of points which seemed a little bit as if you were trying to stretch to get the truth to me. One of them was his first name and his surname spelling out Jack. Does that yes, still well, hold in your book? Uh, that is, I think, in the hardback, isn't it? I, I don't think it's in the... It might be in the paperback, I don't know. That's a bit of speculation. But that's the that's first not... two letters and the last yeah, two letters yeah. of the name spell out Jack, yeah. So that's not something you personally... It doesn't... Um, it doesn't get me very excited, that doesn't, no. And the other one about the graffiti in Mitre Square just being a clever spelling mistake? The graffiti, um, the, I, don't I don't know about the graffiti. What's that about? Oh, well, there was graffiti written on the wall at the time, which said the Jews are the men who will not be blamed for, not be blamed for nothing, mm. um, which the police had wiped off. Um, to be honest, I don't really think because it was wiped off, anybody really knows the truth about the graffiti was it, either. Was graffiti. it written in blood? No, it wasn't. Oh. It was scratched mm. in uh, chalk, chalk, I think. But the diary um, specifically mentions that graffiti? Uh, yes, it does. It's well. He says next time I'll take the chalk. Um, yes, it does mention that. And and does it go in? Because I'm sorry, because I haven't read the book. I've only seen it from the degree of the program. Yeah. And um, does it go into 
on the program it was saying that it was just a clever spelling mistake to throw the police off the scent. So is that something? Is that, that what not, it said? That's what it said in the in the program. Do you know, I don't remember that. It's a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Um, no, I, I, I think that it was would have been very easy for the... I think if you're talking about one graffiti, you talk about a graffita if you're being pedantic. Um, but I think it would have been very easy for it to have been done by the Ripper. I think it's just as likely that it, it might not have been. But if the diary is correct, then James Maybrick did it in, in, um, when he was going back to Middlesex Street where he'd taken a room. And the diary says that he took a room in Middlesex Street, Petticoat Lane. Do you believe um, in the diary that you're not 100% sure of everything in the content of the diary? No, there are some things that need further investigation. I do believe in the diary, yes, I do, because I think there's far, far too much evidence now that's built up behind it to shake it. But you haven't been able to investigate everything the diary said yet? No, 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 I haven't. Um, How long is the diary, then? How many? Uh, it's, uh, 60-odd pages. Hmm. Is it easy to read, or do you have to really concentrate how somebody... Uh, the handwriting's a bit dodgy in places. It's, yeah. uh, some of it's easy enough, but there's a transcript in the back to make it, make it simple. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Uh, Mark, thank you for your call. We'll take a break back after this. Start your day. James Whale. I think we've uh, we've had enough of those do-it-yourself uh, intros. I think we'll... Well, what, what do you want, man? I don't know. Just record something up properly. Just something really professional and good, all right? Yeah. I thought that was professional. That was crap. Uh, right, welcome back. Uh, this is Talk Radio, the James Wales Show. And Shirley Harrison's my guest. Shirley has written the... Um, uh, latest instalment of uh, Long Running. This is the third in the trilogy of the uh, Jack of the Ripper Diaries, Confessions of James Maybrick. And that's what we're talking about tonight. I thought it'd be about half an hour, actually, Shirley. I'm sorry, I didn't realise I'd be keeping this. I didn't realise... I had a kick in between. I didn't realise that so many people knew so much about Jack the Ripper or that it was still so popular. I'm amazed. Christopher in South Wales, you're on the air. Hello. Chris... Doffer! Okay, yeah. you're on the air now. Okay, go. Hello. Hi. I'm Yuno. Is, uh, I thought of a possible uh, connection between the two rippers. Well, uh, well, it sort of involves two points. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of uh, the Demon Barber. The Demon Bur Barber of Seville, or Sweeney Todd of... Um... Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I think everybody has, but go on. Yeah. Well, there's been similar cases of that as well. Since. Yeah. Nobody's disputing the fact, but we're uh, talking about this one. Yeah. Well, uh, even though people, I don't know, people are prone to some, well, certain people with obviously mental uh, disabilities are prone We to like to uh, call it psychologically disturbed, yeah. 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 Are, are prone to um, copying things they see. Well, I was thinking perhaps it was just word the mouth of what had happened that connects both rippers. Yeah, you got one ripper, word the mouth gets round, and uh, someone thinks, hey, that's a good idea. Why, why don't I do it? So you think all these uh, all these individual uh, murders may have been caused by somebody else just copying the last one? Could be, yeah. That's what I think. Shirley? Could be. I think it's unlikely. Yeah. Not at this distance. You know, um, they, uh, how, how much of what happened was actually talked about in the press oh, of those days? Well, everything that's what I was saying. Yes, yeah. Absolutely everything. Yeah. So somebody, were... somebody could have copied it all. Uh, yes, they could, they, they could have done. I suppose you, you get an idea, but I don't, I don't honestly think. I think most, most, as I understand it, most serial killers are prompted by something with you. Yeah. They don't do it to copy. They, they do it because something drives them from within. Something happens to them in their lives, and off they go. 
I don't. I don't think it's a, a copycat situation at all. Okay. Yep. Good. I'm so glad you called. Uzma uh, in London, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, James. Hi. Uh, hi, Shirley. Hello. Um, I, I wanted to ask you uh, something uh, personally. Wh whilst you were writing this, um, whilst you were analysing it, did you feel a certain amount of compassion for the for for James, for J uh, for the actual man behind it? I mean, do you do you tend to? Uh, it's an interesting point. I mean, I, I've obviously felt more compassion for the women, mm. but um, yes, uh, if you read the diary itself, I think this is probably true to say this is why one of the reasons why I've, I have stuck with it. Mm. The character of James Maybrick, um, the agony that he was suffering, the breakdown of his mind is so graphically described in the diary that it, it does make right. it does make you feel uh quite sorry for him mm. um obviously sorry for the for the chaos that he caused around him and uh, that, that there's no disputing that yeah. but he was a tormented soul and this diary is a very vivid portrayal of the breakdown of a tormented mind so yes right uh, the reason i asked that was because uh, recently i read um uh, gordon burns book about fred west uh, happy like murderers oh yeah and um, i had very preconceived ideas about it but when i read it mm. um the way he analyzed um fred west and mary West's life it really got you thinking by the time you put that book down it was a very um it was a very com com not compassionate but a real account of people who if one is put into that situation you really I mean, I'm not saying that what they did is right, but you really do feel, you understand why they did it. Um, and maybe, I don't, I haven't read your book, which I'm going to go and buy, <laughs> and uh, I want to read it. So I just wanted to know, being a woman, what angle you had given it personally of yourself in that. Yes, well, you're, you're right. As I, I said, I think that uh, the diary itself is an extraordinarily gripping and compelling piece of writing. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ken bye. in Hereford, you're on the air. Hello, Ken. Hello, James. Hi. Hello, uh, Shirley. Hello. Uh, I've just learned to say that I've got your book. I've also got a book by Paul Feldman, who yeah. actually mentioned you a lot of times, and he's, he's of the same opinion that it was James Maybrick. I recently bought a book uh, by a lady called Pamela Ball. Yes, I know Pam. Who's done a psychic investigation. I, I just wondered, have, have you uh, spoken to her, and, and do you uh, have you uh, evidence of what she's come up with? Yeah, yes, I do know Pam, and she's a, a lovely lady. Um, she's a, let's uh, give her, she's a psychic. She's a psychic. Yeah, okay. She is, yes. Um, she too, I think, has, uh, she has, she's written a book um, on the uh, Ripper story from a psychic point of view. That's right, so I've got that in front of me. Yes, yes. Yes, um, yes I, I, she's, she's done a, um, a, she swung the pendulum over the diary. I haven't actually read the book, I have, I have to admit. Um, she she has her own agenda on this. I'm a, I'm a little bit wary about psychic research, I have to say. Um, a lot of people do believe in it. It's a little bit like astrology, which a lot of people are sceptical about, and this time it's, um, I have, in fact, included in, the, in my book James Maybrick's Astrological Charts, um, somewhat against the publisher's wishes, because they thought, you know, people think you're cranky if you believe in things like that. So um, <laughs> they might be right. But I think there are a lot of people who do believe in psychic research. Um, certainly Pam's views on it are interesting. Um, I'm guarded. Yeah, well, I, I have uh, read through it, and, and she's uh, 
open-minded. She, she hasn't categorically said, yes, it was James. No. But she said she couldn't rule him out. And I suppose the spookiest bit about it, I mean, if, as you say, if, if you do believe, whatever, is that she said when she tried to actually get in touch with with him and, and other suspects and other victims, she felt that he was toying with her. And I found mm. that, that came out very well for yes. the way he was toying with the police. I have to tell you, there is one, one thing that happened when we were all together at um, a meeting some little while ago. I have a colleague and researcher, uh, um, also a writer called um, Keith Skinner, who has a tape recorder which has never, ever, ever broken down. And when Pamble was there doing psychic work over the diary, for the first time that tape recorder stopped. Mm. <laughs> Really? Yes, so you can make what you like of that, but it was oh. very weird. And did she, I mean, did, 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 did she reckon she did get through to James Maybrick? Yeah, yeah. I, yes. She, and do you she believe was, it? She was, uh, well, I'm... I'm open-minded. open-minded. You don't believe it at nicely, all. <coughs> nicely. Well, what she did say, which I found... Uh, do you believe strange. this, Ken? I mean, this is I all... Don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm open-minded. I, I don't, I, I don't sort of close <laughs> my mind to anything, really. But one of the things she did say, and it's all to do with the arsenic incident, mm -hmm. Uh, apparently he, he was known, I suppose in retrospect, to have taken great deals of arsenic. And on, if you like, on the on the medium, one of the sessions, she, she said that she felt that her ears were playing her up, that she was going deaf. And she sort of asked the question, uh, does arsenic give you these symptoms? And the reply was, I don't know, I've never taken it. And it's it sort of laughing sort of joking sort of voice. And she said that that was a bit sort of strange, that she felt she was being toyed with. I don't know if I yeah. believe it or not, but it's just one of the things that, that was completely, I suppose, in character with, with, with how the diary described him as toying with the police. OK, Ken, thank you for your call. Uh, final few minutes of the programme, which has been fascinating. I, as I said, I didn't know there were so many people interested in Jack the Ripper, Shelley. You must have sold millions of books. That's uh, what the publishers tell me. The books, Confessions of James Maybrick, he is, uh, if you've been with us for the whole of the uh, last hour or so, uh, will know is, or was... A Victorian businessman who um, came from Liverpool, came down to the east end of London, and uh, uh, because of his addiction to uh, arsenic and the fact that his wife was having it off with somebody else, um, went a bit loopy and started murdering women. And he murdered five within the space of two months, about two months, months. Uh, in of end of August through to November. <clears throat> in fact, 110 years ago to this very day, the last one died okay. yesterday. Okay. And we've been talking about that. Um, and Shirley has uh, brought out uh, her latest edition of the uh, diaries of this man and the thoughts surrounding them. Uh, before we come back and take a final few calls, let me remind you, if you want to keep on talking about this, our chat line is open on 0930 10 if you don't want to come on the air. Uh, 0930 10 at 50 p.m. Have, um, have we got uh, HRH's uh, website? I have. I've got it right here. Can we have a look before we go to the break? There's nothing about Camilla on it, though. Is there any smutty photographs of, um... Well... Join the Prince's online forum. <laughs> yeah. The Prince of Wales website enables you to offer your views on... Why don't we, why don't we uh, fax him back and say, James Wales says, would you like to come on the show, uh, Princey Babe, and, uh, and have a chat with us? Mm, just imagine if you could talk to all these people. On the internet. Yeah. The letterhead yeah. as well. We could pretend we're from there. Yeah. Is there any, any cool colours. pictures? Right, let's have a look. Yeah, still got his pictures. Let's have a look. Yeah, yeah just bring it in, Joe. Just... All right, I'll have a, I'll, 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 I wouldn't mind having a look. It might be. Are you on the internet, Shell? No, I'm not. Oh, you've got to get on the internet. I know, it's all right I know, for the prints. It's okay for all of us. I mean, is it as good as mine? That's what I want to say. Oh, it's not as good as mine, no. Actually, it's not. It's not. It's quite boring, in fact. I thought about his work. 
Yeah, all about his good work. Yeah. Uh, how, how, uh, yes, all about his good work. And there's all sorts of pictures of him there. Oh, oh lovely pictures of him holding pictures. babies in possible, sorry? Family pictures. Oh, this is embargoed. Is it? Until when? Until, well, we're all right now. Well, then... One minute past the out of this hour. So yeah. we're all right. That's why we're doing it now. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Here we are. The Prince's Diary for, um, Thursday. Uh, the Prince of Wales undertakes a series of engagements in Sheffield. Um, then Monday on the 16th, he's got a few days off. He's got the weekend off. Uh, Prince of Wales, president of the Royal Shakespeare Company, chairs the annual governor's meeting. Uh, Tuesday, he uh, visits the Army Training Regiment in Surrey. Um, Sunday, uh, he visits the Hellenic Republic of Greece. Mm. Thursday, he's back in uh, Kensington with uh, the Prince of Wales uh, visiting the Royal College of Music. Uh, and uh, what a busy life he has. And we're paying for it. Um, oh, oh, sorry, didn't mean to say that. Right, Prince's Rolls, this is what he does. It is terribly tedious. I can't believe it. They could have done so many things with this. Picture going. The latest picture of the Prince of Wales. Click on the picture to see an enlargement. Oh, very nice. Fantastic. Yeah, marvellous. And this is an enlargement of him smiling and looking right. the same in every picture. Uh, the Prince is presented with a birthday card for his son, Harry. That's sweet. That's brilliant. Uh, Can we have a copy of that one? No. Recent speeches. Um, all the speeches he's given, if you want, click on and uh, you can see the speeches. Yes. He's got everything this Yeah. Association speech. The what? The Soil The Soil Association speech. That'll be a good one. Will my serialize Has that? Has got an interactive monarch game? No. An article by the Prince of Wales on scenes of disaster. Uh, nobody can say he's not prolific, can they? Oh, monstrous carbuncle. <laughs> the Prince is also a permanent patron of presi or president of more than 270 organizations. Uh, and is temporary patron of pre uh, or president of more than 100 more. Oh. One likes to be president with one's big ears. Yes. He related to Jack the Ripper. Um, that's treason, Shirley, I think. I uh, think we'll arrest her. I think we might have to. Let's take a break. Okay, final couple of calls. John in Scotland, in Motherwell, to be precise, here on the air. Hi, John. Hello there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just wanting to know about Jack the Ripper. Did he actually speak with the people that he killed? No. He didn't? No. Nope. Uh, so was it just plainly no like sexual side to it at all whatsoever just how can they tell except yeah, yeah. how can they tell because I mean they'd all had it uh, with a few people hadn't they so uh, yeah, they well. mutilated them so they couldn't possibly know right was it and a wee a bit perverted at all a wee bit perverted John that's an understatement mate an understatement severely <laughs> Well, read the book and find out. You'll be amazed. I mean, they couldn't have... They surely couldn't have known whether he'd had any sort of sexual contact with them. Well, the, they said that there had been no, no yeah. interference of that sort, but I don't know how they knew half they what they said yeah, at the exactly. time. Oh, I yeah. mean, there was no... Uh, so little knowledge of mm. forensic examination, no, no fingerprinting. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, last call. Jeannie in London. Hi. 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 I would say that probably because of the time element, he didn't have sexual dealings with the women. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Now, I've read the, the book. I think it's excellent. I do think Maybrick uh, was definitely the ripper. I just wondered about the wife, because she went to prison. Yeah. Didn't she? And then, mm. because I've seen another book, you know, that she is gone as uh, a murderer. 
And the children, what happened to the children, do you know? Oh, yes, um, we've traced the children, we know everything that happened. Um, the boy, James, um, he, uh, I mean, this is bizarre, uh, he eventually, both the children were adopted in London by Michael Maybrick's doctor, which is very weird. They then went to live on the Isle of Wight with Michael Maybrick, mm. when, and then um, James went off to British Columbia to become, um, he yeah. worked in a mine. I've got about three seconds. Di died of uh, died of strychnine poisoning, which he's supposed to have taken. Yeah. Um, Gladys lived until the 1950s. Jeannie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Shirley, it's been fascinating, uh, and uh, thank you for staying right till the end. The Diary of Jack the Ripper, which is published by Blake, uh, is in the shops now, and it's chilling. I'll be back tonight at nine. I hope you can join me then. Um, former RAF navigator John Nickel, my mate, will be here talking about his book as well. Jake from I'm the National King. News Centre. Do you mind not talking when I'm talking? And that was Shirley Harrison on BBC Radio Leeds on the 9th of November 1998. We are a podcast sponsored and hosted by Casebook.org, where you'll find over 160 roundtable discussions, author interviews, conference presentations, Whitechapel Society meetings, and archive tapes all about Jack the Ripper, East End history, and Victorian true crime. If you have any questions or comments about any of our releases, feel free to contact us on the Casebook message boards or find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching for RipperCast.